Let's go ahead and get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 1. Paul's talking about what this church is divided over. They're disagreeing and they're divided over it. Well, that's bad in a church. A church is supposed to be in unity. So now this I say, verse 12, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, or an I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. So there's four different cliques, you might say. Or segments. And uh, Paul is not, he's not flattered that some people are talking, well, I'm, I'm a Paul. That's, that doesn't flatter him. A man that honestly is serving the Lord doesn't want people following him. He wants them following the Lord as he follows the Lord. But anyway, so that Paul's not very uh, flattered over that, not flattered at all. And so he asked him the question. Is Christ divided? Well, the obvious answer, no, he's not divided. Christ is one. And Christ talked about having a single eye, being in unity, being one. Was Paul crucified for you? No, he wasn't. No, no uh, normal human man could have been crucified for anybody else. It wouldn't, would never have mattered. Uh, only Christ, because he is the sinless, perfect son of God. And so he was crucified for all of his people. If you're not saved, you can't claim him. What you need to do is repent and come to him in faith, and then you can claim him. He said, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Who were they baptized in the name of? According to Jesus Christ, the formula for baptism, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is the formula for baptism. I don't know how anybody can get away from that. But they do, but I don't know how they can do it. Anyway, then he says, I thank God that I baptize none of you, but or except... Crispus and Gaius. Uh, look over chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 16 and let's see here in verse... Verse 15, I beseech you, brethren, know, you know the house of Stephanus, the first fruits of Caia, and that they have admit, addicted themselves uh, to the ministry of the saints. Let's see, where's, I've got Christmas and Gaius here someplace. No, I don't. I've got Stephanus, and I need to get Acts, Acts 18. Uh, I'm looking for Acts 18 is what I am. Stephanus is in there, but uh, 
Acts 18 and uh, 17. verse 17. Yeah. All the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and Gallio. Well, I got, I'm, I've got, here we're down verse 7 and 8, yeah. He departed thence, entered a certain man's house named Justice, uh, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake uh, the Lord to Paul in the night. Well, anyway, they were uh, very rough on uh, Crispus, and Gaius also was in there. But anyway, the point is that these fellows, Crispus and Gaius, were obviously dedicated servants of the Lord. And they weren't following after some man like the rest of them were. And that's why Paul said, he said, except Crispus and Gaius, I'm glad to baptize you. He said, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And these preachers that take the, we've had churches in town named after the preacher. You know, that's, that's so wrong. Uh, it's not about a preacher, it's about the Lord. Anyway, there, uh, I baptized also the household of Stephanus, we already read that. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. He wouldn't, wasn't keeping a record, a running record of everybody that he did baptize. Not keep, just not keeping that kind of a record. I know some preachers, oh, you ought to do that. Why? Paul didn't. Uh, anyway, he said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now notice this. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Some teach that the, the gospel is baptism. It is not. Baptism is a picture of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it is, has nothing to do with the gospel. And so, uh, but most churches preach that it does. But it doesn't. And Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize. That wasn't the ultimate purpose of my, of my his ministry. He was to preach the gospel. And notice that word preach the gospel there in verse 17. Then he says, uh, lest, L-E-S-T is lest. A lot of preachers say least. It's not least. Least is L-E-A-S-T and it means something different. Lest except that the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now think about that, the cross of Christ. Does that mean he was wearing a cross or had it dangling from his ears or had it tattooed on him? No. Preaching the cross of Christ is in effect preaching the gospel because Jesus Christ died on a cross. But we're to preach it, not display it. Because verse 18, for because the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Who are they that perish? People that are dying and on their way to hell. That's who is perishing. Say, so, well, they look very much alive to me. Well, they may be right now, but it won't be for long. 
And outside of Jesus Christ, when they die, they are perishing. They will perish in eternal hell. Not glad about that. That's a matter of fact. And the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Well, think about this. You got a bunch of guys hanging around shooting basketball or passing football or baseball or doing something or racing cars or doing everybody just having fun and talking and drinking this and drinking that and eating this and eating that. And everybody just out having and you come up and you say, boys, you know what? You need to give some thought to this. Without Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. Oh, get out of here with that old stuff. I don't want to hear this stuff. And that's where most of them are. They really are. And so to those that are perishing, and that's the verb tense, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to the Jew. It's foolishness to the Greek. And it's, uh, uh, anyway. But unto us which are saved, if you are indeed saved, you know Jesus Christ in the free pardon of your sins, the preaching of the cross is the ultimate in your life. That's what it's all about. That's why I know I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross in my behalf. So, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, that's a quote, partial quote from Isaiah 29, 14. So when it says it's written, that's Old Testament scripture. All right. It said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Well, just how wise and how much wisdom do they have? Well, they think they've got a lot. But in reality, they don't at all. And God said he will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Where is the disputer of this world? One that argues about everything in this world. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Yes, he has and will continue to do so. And ultimately, it will all fall flat. For after that, or since that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now, couple of things here the words uh, preach in verse 17 it is the word gospelize is the greek word so that word is to evangelize what is to evangelize it's to gospelize preach the gospel and then the word preaching in verse 18 that's simply the word logos which means word. Now there's another word in the Greek, but logos means word. And so the word of the cross is to them that perish. Okay, so preaching, evangelizing, spreading, preaching the gospel, and preaching is the, is the word of the gospel. 
And then in verse 21, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So here he's got a word, uh, a different word for preaching. And then in verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. That is another word. So the first time it's spread, evangelized, gospelized. The second occurrence, it is word, the word, the message of the gospel. And then the third time in verse 21, it is kerugma, the actual work of preaching the gospel. And then verse uh, 23, it's keruso, like a herald, proclamation, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, the gospel which I declared unto you. Well, so here's the thing about all these different words of preaching. It's not that they're contradictory, not at all. It shows the the, uh, purpose of all of this. First, we must preach the gospel to every creature. That's evangelize. He tells the pastor, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. All right? Now, then we must have the word. The proper word. The scriptural words for the gospel. Then we must get to the work of preaching. And then we must declare the message. So, it's not contradiction. It's just showing the complete calling of God. And so this declaring... We're supposed to declare the message. We're not begging people to hear it. We're declaring the message. When he says in 1 Corinthians 15, For what I declared unto you, how that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, was buried, rose again the third day according to Scripture. (coughs) He's not apologizing for it. He's not making excuses for it. He's declaring it. This is something we don't back up from. Well, Paul didn't back up from it, and it ultimately killed him. Killed a lot of them, many of them. But we must declare it. So, now verse... 23, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews. A stumbling block. What is a stumbling block? Well, you take one of these concrete blocks and lay it out in your path and you stumble over it. That's a stumbling block. The fact that we're preaching Christ crucified to Jews, it's a stumbling block to them because they, they, weren't, they weren't hearing that in their flesh, they weren't hearing that. Because they were looking, they were looking for a deliverer. One who come and who would come and get them away from the Roman Empire. Back onto their own nation, their own land. And not, not be under that servitude to the Roman Empire. They're looking for, they're looking for a, a conqueror. And they don't see Jesus Christ as any kind of a conqueror. He was 
born poor. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he was beat practically to death and then put on the cross. And he hanged there. And then here we're preaching that he's dying to pay for all of the sins of all of his people. If you're one of them, he's dying for your sins. Think about that. He's not dying for his own sins. He didn't have any. He's dying for your sins. Huh. Boy, that's a little blow, isn't it? And I thought I was a pretty good fella. No, you're not. You're anything but a good fella. And so, a stumbling block unto the Greeks, unto the Jews, and unto the Greeks, they're looking for wisdom. It's foolishness. Well, that's just foolishness. I can't believe that. People say, oh, I can't believe that somebody come and pay a debt for somebody else. Well, that's just, that's just foolishness. It's all over now. That's what they say. Well, but unto them, verse 24, which are called. Now, a lot of people are called, but not this way. This is the effectual call. The word effectual means effective. This is one that worked. It's effective. Unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks. Who are the Greeks? Anybody's not a Jew. If you're not a Jew, you're a Greek. You're a Gentile. You're a heathen. You got two kinds of people. Jews and Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. We're all Gentiles here. I don't think we've got any Jews here. Ain't got any Jews? I don't think so. We're all Gentiles, heathen. But unto them which are called, big difference in these and that other bunch. Unto them which are called, that means that there was an effectual working of the Holy Spirit inside of them to effect the new birth, impart spiritual life, new creature, and indwell in them. So to those people, Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, <coughs> same. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. <laughs> now they've got a complete different, different view. All of the called have a completely different view of Jesus Christ, his person, and his work. We view Jesus Christ, the power of God. We know that Jesus Christ didn't die a death of weakness. Jesus Christ dismissed his own spirit. You and I can't do that. We don't have that kind of power. No human being does. You can't bow your with your hands nailed out and your feet, feet nailed to a cross, you can't bow your head and say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and he gave up the ghost. You can't do that. But Jesus said, I have power to lay my life down 
and I have power to take it up again. Man, now we're seeing the power of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. More, more than any. I think, oh, the power of God in creation. I mean, all these scientists still, still trying to figure out what he did and how he did it. And they can't do it. They think they, they got this idea and that idea. Uh, they, they're saying now that, uh, well, how we all got here, everything was reduced to the, like the size of a head of a pen. Everything. All the stars, all the planets, all the oceans, all the mountains, all the people, all everything, trees, every, all the animals, everything in the universe was reduced to a little bitty dot. How stupid do you have to believe, be to be, believe that? You can't, you can't reduce that to that size. Not at all. Or, what was the old uh, Indians from India? Didn't they have elephants holding up the earth? And the Greeks had Charles Atlas standing there holding up the earth. Looked like it wore his shoulders out with spinning, you know. I don't know. <laughs> That's the best they could come up with. And now these, these pagans have got everything reduced to a dot. <clears throat> Absolutely ridiculous. And we go back to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and everything that was in them. Amen. Did it all by the word of his power. So now, yeah, we do understand the power of God through Christ and the wisdom of God. By wisdom, he cre Proverbs says, by wisdom, he created the, the earth and everything in it. Well, look what is here. Everything works. Wisdom, how much wisdom? You can't imagine how much wisdom. They can't number the stars. I don't know how many stars there are. And the Bible says God's got them all named. <laughs> Shoot. So, because the foolishness of God, there isn't any foolishness with God, but anything that could even qualify as any foolishness with God is wiser than all men put together. And the weakness of God, there's nothing weak about God anywhere, shape, form, or matter. But if anything you could describe as weak, it is stronger than all men put together. For you all see your calling, brethren. He's talking to these brethren at Corinth, the church at Corinth, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty, not many noble are called. Well, it just kind of seems that way. The people get so much intellect, they, they trust in their intellect. Or people get so much money, like these politicians steal so much money, millions and billions, and they, that's, that's where their power is, and that money. But you know what? As soon as they die... That money's all gone. Y'all realize if you had 
$50 billion. I don't know where you'd even, you couldn't put that much money in this room. But if you had $50 billion, how much could you take with you when you die? How much would you leave? All of it. You couldn't take a dollar with you. How can you trust in money? Well, rich men get sick. They get diseases. And they pay all kinds of money out to doctors and hospitals to get them well. And they carry them out on a stretcher. Take them to the morgue. Because they die. Because they can't give them enough medicine to heal them. They can't figure out what it is. Doctors can't save you. Medicine can't save you. It may for a while, but it's not going to save you forever. So the point is, people get all that knowledge and get all that power, get all that money, and that's what they trust. Well, this is all I need. <laughs> so you poor suckers out there at that church, you don't know what life's all about. I've got it down. I've got it by the tail now. Just got dog going. And then it keels over the hard deck. Well, they spent a lot of money on a funeral, put him in a big copper coffin or something like that, put him in a gold coffin, that's all right. You got that much money, that foolish? But see, he'll, he'll rot in that gold coffin just like he will in a pine box or a cardboard box or a rag. Wrap him in a blanket and put him in that grave. He'll, yeah, he'll rot. You'll rot quicker than if he's got a concrete box around him, but he's going to rot. There ain't no doubt about that. So they got their got their got all of their confidence and everything that they've got. How foolish is that? Well, he said, you know, not many wise men, that is, wise men after the flesh, have been called by God. Not many mighty, strong, and not many noble are called. Well, noble, that would be like kings and queens and princesses and such. But there was one queen of England, I forget which one it was. I don't think it was Victoria, but it was one of them. That was a very fine Christian woman. And her saying was this. I'm so thankful that the Bible says not many noble. It doesn't say not any noble because God called her. So just not many have been called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Now that is foolish in the world's understanding of foolish. The foolish things of the world. To confound the wise. Well, who did Christ call out as apostles? Bunch of ignorant fishermen, mostly. And nobody would give them any serious thought. 
If they wasn't buying fish from them, they wouldn't give them any serious consideration. And that's who he called as apostles to send them to the world. And so God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound or confuse the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Now let me tell you this. A little old Baptist church with a congregation of people don't matter much in this world. Really doesn't. I mean, if it's not one of these big religious businesses with thousands of people, most politicians don't care anything about them. Now, if they've got thousands, they want all them votes is what they want. But just a small little old country church, it doesn't mean much to any of them. Not at all. But I'll tell you what, we've got more truth than the majority of this world ever would hear. Because we've got the Word of God. It's not ours. We belong to it. But God has given us this, and this is what we've got. And why, people, why are you like that? Paul, why would you give up everything that you gave up? To live the life that you lived. He was beat. He was run out of town. He lost his family. Lost all of his wealth. And spent his life, much of his life in prison. Until he finally cut his head off. Paul. And he had a good life to start with. Well healed. Why would you do such a thing? Because he was called. He was called and God chose him and many others to confound the wisdom of the wise and confound the things which are mighty and base things, that's low things, of the world and things which are despised, God hath chosen. Look at, look at uh, Lazarus. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus. He was begging for food. Laid at the rich man's door. But as soon as he died, he was with the Lord. And the rich man was in hell, lifting up his eyes, being in torment. There's the truth. Yea, and things which are not to bring to nothing things that are. See, that's what God did in his creation. All of these uh, so-called evolutionists, scientists, and all that. None of them have an answer for what, where anything came from. See, even they got that little dot of everything in it. Where'd that come from? They don't answer the right, ask the right question. See, if, if you start with something, you've got to know where that came from. Because you've got to have an explanation for that. Where did life come from? They don't have an answer. Here's what they say. Well, back far enough, go back far enough, 
And life came from non-life. But where'd the non-life come from? Life cannot come from non-life. Old T.T. Martin, old Baptist evangelist back around late 1800s and early 1900s. He said, from nothing, nothing can come. He knew that much. From nothing, nothing can come. So let's go back to where there is nothing. Let me tell you where that is. That's just before Genesis 1-1. And I'm not speaking time-wise, I'm speaking chronologically. Because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and everything that's in them. But what was before that? God. What is his name? I am. That's what he told Moses. Moses said, who's going to send me? He said, I am. And I am that I am. Always was, who is, wherever is to come. And there's God. So, uh, and things which are not. Abraham in Romans 4, Paul said, Abraham, believing or knowing that God called things which were not be, <laughs> and they were. Things which weren't, there wasn't anything. And God said, be, just like when he said, let there be light. And there was light. They can't figure that one out because, see, that was before the sun and the moon and the stars were created. But God said, let there be light, and there was light. Well, they think they've got a handle on it, but they don't. Anyway, and all of this was so that no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. I ask you, how are you doing? You say, much better than I deserve. Great. That's, that's the right answer. Uh, and no flesh should glory in his presence before God. This is all not about me, it's about him. But of him or by him, out of him, are you in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm in Christ Jesus by faith. I'm, I'm in spiritual union with him. And how did I get there? Of him, of God. Are you in Christ Jesus? Everybody that's saved is in Christ Jesus uh, out of God, by God, Amen. of him. Are you all in Christ Jesus? And Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. So well, I don't have any wisdom. Do you have Christ? You've got some wisdom. Christ has made wisdom. And righteousness, if you're in Christ, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you, Amen. charged to you, the earned righteousness of Christ. 
and sanctification, being set apart, daily being set apart, and ultimately being set apart unto the use of our Master. And redemption. Redemption is that unique work of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. He paid the complete debt that all of his people owed for their sins. Christ had no sins of his own, but he paid what we owe. You see, we owe a big debt. The only thing I own is my sin. But Christ, by his grace, paid all that I owed to the holiness and justice of God to redeem me, to buy me back from that slave market of sin, what I owed because of my sin. Jesus Christ redeemed me. He bought me back by his own work of redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You going to glory? Glory in the Lord. I tell you, I hear some of them on the things preaching, and they're getting it all for themselves. But if you're going to glory, glory in the Lord. In verse chapter 2, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Uh, there's nothing wrong with speaking properly. But it's not about my proper speech or my wording. A good vocabulary is good to have. We want to speak properly when we preach the word, when we witness the gospel. But Paul said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech, showing how much of a speaker I am. Oh, wasn't that a great speech? What did he say? I don't know, but boy, it was a great speech. Excellency of words. People use words, man. There was one preacher. He's dead now. I preached his funeral. But he was just a common guy, you know, just everyday guy. And boy, he called on him to pray. He'd go into a, like a, I don't know, like a fit of some kind. He'd go, oh, Father, which art in heaven. <laughs> Praying like that. Hey, man, what's wrong with you? You don't talk that way. Who are you putting on airs for? So Paul said, I didn't come to you like that. Trying to show, now Paul was well educated. Nobody more better educated in the Bible and theology than the Apostle Paul. But he said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. 
I'm going to talk to you where you can understand me. Or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I'm not trying to drag, drag you away from God. I'm trying to point you to God. For I determined not to know anything among you. Now that word save means accept. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now that doesn't mean he didn't know any other doctrines. He knew the whole counsel of God. But his goal was to preach Christ and him crucified to those that had not heard of him. That doesn't deny that he, in a church you teach the doctrines. But anyway, he said, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Well, talk about he's a human being. If he hadn't been that way, he'd been showing something else, that he was proud of himself. But he said, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, not in Not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Now I think there's sometimes, I've done it, when I was first preaching. We didn't used to have videos and cameras and all that. I remember they didn't have cassettes until after I started preaching. And then I remember the first time I heard myself preaching. On a little cassette. I was never so deflated. In my life. I said that cannot be me. I had a lot better opinion of myself than that. But then I had to hear what I sounded like. I said man. And I I have. I preached to a wall. Just to get over. You know. Being where I can say something. But anyway. There are classes that you can take. Preachers, and they'll tell you how to. Well, you can tell a joke here or tell a story here. Tell a joke here. Have your audience laughing and crying. and Some of them say they got notes here, say laugh here, cry here. You know, really using human psychology to control a crowd. I've seen it done. People give it. I don't follow anything like that. Anyway, Paul said, it was not with enticing words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit of God and the power of God, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in, but, but in the power of God. Amen. So Paul said he, he avoided all that so, sort of thing. Crowd control is what that's called. There are lots of folks like Adolf Hitler that practiced crowd control and his speech and everything else. And I've heard a lot of preachers tell me, oh, you've got to get this set and this set, do this, this, that, and that. And I want everything done like just like that. No, 
that's, that's enticing words of man's wisdom. Anyway, the whole message is all about Christ and his work of redemption. Let's stand.